This is a Vantage House production. Hey folks, today is February 10th, and if it's Friday, then this is the Delve. In 2018, a gunman attacked the Tree of Life Synagogue, down the street from my high school in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Eleven people died that day. Some were Holocaust survivors. They were members of my community. This attack was, and still is, the deadliest attack on the Jewish community in U.S. history. May their memory be a blessing. According to the Anti-Defamation League, there were 2,717 incidents of anti-Jewish harassment, assault, and vandalism in 2021. This is an all-time high for the U.S. since the ADL started recording these numbers. Just this past year, synagogues across New Jersey and Texas had been forced to close down over meaningful holidays because of credible threats of violence. This is part of the constant barrage of anti-Semitism and Jew hatred that has been a cornerstone of the modern era. Anti-Semitism has been in the news a lot lately, thanks to friend of the pod, Connie West. But Judaism and the Jewish people are a surprisingly diverse and resilient people. I wanted to speak to someone who could speak to this diversity and the intersection of blackness and Judaism in light of the current cultural spotlight on black Hebrew Israelites. I spoke with Jared Jackson, director of Jews in All Hues, a group dedicated to uplifting black and brown Jewish voices. I've spent a lot of time traveling the world and I've been lucky to meet Jewish people of all races in every country. But oftentimes to me, it feels like Judaism in the US can be a monolith. I asked Jared what he thought about that. For me, diversity is life-giving. And in Judaism and being a Jew of color, it is doubly life-giving. For me and my life and the organization I run, the life I lead, hearing the words that Judaism isn't as diverse in the States is uh, disheartening, honestly. Mm, For me, it's, it's... beautifully diverse. Our circles here in the States, our Jewish communities are filled with Jews of color to the extent that we are in the population, the percentage that we are. But my circle is very diverse. It's much more diverse than the broader Jewish community. Also, as far as how we serve and how many we serve here in the institutionalized Jewish community, we actually serve very little of the Jewish population of North America or in the States. So that's also disheartening because there could be more. Jewish diversity is not well known. You know, when people find out that, especially when somebody is a Jew of color and they were born Jewish, right? Just to say, like, there's a large amount of Jewish people of color in the United States who have converted to Judaism and are, of course, currently Jews. Like, I I get really angry with people when they say, oh, yeah, there are converts. (laughs) It's like, well, if you step through the threshold, you are, right? 
If I put on clothes, I'm wearing clothes. You can't say, here's a naked person who just so happens to be wearing clothes. Whereas I, I am wearing clothes. That's a really funny uh, metaphor there. Yeah. I don't need to claim that I wear clothes. I just do. Right? If you go to any synagogue where there are Jews, if you go to a renewal, reconstructionist, reform, conservative, Masorti, modern Orthodox, no affiliation at all, Orthodox, Hasidic, right? If you go to any of those places, like a good friend of mine says, you will find a rabbi there who, if they really wanted to, can trace their rabbinic lineage all the way back in time past the founding of their movements. Mm, wow. Yeah. You know, to a point where there wasn't necessarily movements, there were just ways of being, right? You know, if you're talking about Sephardi heritage, I mean, you know, Jews were kicked out of Europe at one point. The Jews were kicked out of England, which at one point was not considered part of Europe. You know, they didn't come back until the Moors took over parts of Europe. And by that time, you had a, several generations in of, of mixing with the local population and all of that, but also still being part of the Middle East and North Africa, like coming back. And even after that, after that, you had the sprout of uh, Ashkenazi Judaism, right? So Ashkenazi Judaism came out of migration from Sephardic Judaism. All these things are connected. You can see the flow through time. Yes, there were lost tribes. Some ended up in India, in different parts of India, or because of, you know, the Spanish trying to take over parts of Africa. You have the Lemba. It's beautiful. It's breathtaking to know that for the majority of Jewish history, Jews have been brown or black, you know, like a mixture of folks. Despite this lineage, according to the Pew Research Center, 85% of American Jews identify as white. And Jared wanted to call my attention one way that white supremacy can permeate our religious space. But but you you can see how like how like you know there's these extra pressures you know of being a uh, of Jew of color. Yeah, there's extra pressures, and I I think also, well I, I know from my own experience really that. It's not just pressure to perform for the sake of identity, right? It's also pressure to perform for the sake of safety. Mm, mm, mm. If we don't have the right aspects of the theater of Judaism, then not only will people question, but they will question why we're there if we're a safety risk. That's mind-blowing, because I I don't know if I really thought about it in, in, you know, through that perspective, that I would be like a safety risk, you know. I'm glad you don't think of yourself that way. Yeah, wow. Because you're not yeah. a safety risk. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You know, <laughs> just to say, like, there are safety risks. This is more of a, a flow, right? Not necessarily an ebb to anti-Semitism nowadays, but in the flow of things, people are worried, at least in the States, about mass shootings. People are worried about non-Jews coming in and shooting up the place. 
with a white supremacist lens, they're, for lack of a better phrase, blinded to the fact that it's white men, by and large. I thought this was really interesting and sad because as a person of color and as a Jew, I am a prime target for so much white supremacist violence. And it never occurred to me that I might be viewed as a potential safety risk myself. I think safety should be a goal. And it is a goal for just about every single Jewish community. But it's the means by which we achieve safety that is the problem. If you have people who have gone through trauma you have not gone through, you're trying to welcome them. Also, that you may actually be the source of their trauma or representative of their trauma, you know, if you're like a white Jew, then you have to consider the steps, literally the steps that they take, but also the mental steps, the mental hurdles that people have to go through or overcome in order to physically enter the space before they even can mentally enter the space. Everything has a cost. And a lot of Jewish communities have not been willing to consider their choices in order for that cost to be less for those who are more directly Mm. impacted by white supremacy. Mm. I get calls, except for this year, actually. Every single year I get a phone call about somebody who has been dragged out of high holy day services. What? Because because they're black or brown. Because somebody... Yeah, yeah, because somebody in the congregation, usually a board member, somebody will call on security forces to go after this person that they deem dangerous when that person is just sitting there wanting to connect spiritually, hopefully, like everyone else. We know that's not always true. (laughs) You know, some people find high holidays to be more of a networking opportunity. But there there are those Jews of color who are in there and being dragged out. That's nuts. It is. That's, <laughs> I've, I've never, I've never heard of something like that. I've never seen, thank God. And that sounds impossibly embarrassing. And oh my gosh. Well, if you are of the, if you are among the group that is in power in that situation, embarrassment doesn't last that long, especially when racism and white supremacy is at play because you can just, you can write it off as we were just doing it for the safety of the community. We were doing our due diligence. We were being good Jews when you just dragged a Jewish person out or somebody's parent who may not be Jewish, but is supporting them, right? If we want to talk about the intersection of blackness and Judaism, there's one piece of this puzzle that cannot be ignored. And that is the high-profile public displays of anti-Semitism by rapper and businessman Kanye West. Ye has made outlandish and hurtful comments before, but what made his recent comments so curious was his insistence on being Jewish himself. Let's be clear, Kanye is not a practicing Jew. So where does his insistence on being a real Jew come from? I mean, this gets into like the Hebrew Israelites, you know, which even that they appropriated from a group of formerly enslaved folks and their descendants who were enslaved by Jewish families, but kept Judaism. 
in some cases converted to Judaism after being freed because of you know having education and being brought up in Judaism and all that. Not to say that even though there were very few Jewish slave owners in the United States, most of them did provide a, a level of education that you did not see with Christian or Quaker slave owners, except for maybe the Cohen family of the Carolinas. Not going to curse. So, so that rhetoric, the, the same rhetoric from the Hebrew Israelites, it has the same origins as like the nation of Islam, right? Seeing Christianity as a slave religion or a religion of slavery. But to claim that people who have suffered for believing in Judaism for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, are inauthentic, that's all of a sudden inauthentic because you... Because stuff came out of your mouth, yeah. like that, that's uh -huh. not a thing. Or it shouldn't be a thing, but it, apparently it is. But then there's a conflation with, with Jews of color, but I'll get into that in a second. But, you know, the, but the, it's a spectrum. It has become a spectrum over the hundred years that it's been in existence. And there are some Hebrew Israelites that are very close to like very much mirror orthodox judaism and really go for the education and all of that right. um you know there there are still a bunch of hebrew israelites even the the chief hebrew israelite himself who shall remain remain nameless right now who like will do the things like the james brown routine you know on stage but with like a talit i've seen this personally nuts <laughs> it is nuts the Black Hebrew Israelite movement claims that Black people are the true descendants of ancient Israelites. Parts of this movement act as their own practicing religion and are deeply tied to ancient African-American spirituality. And parts are straight-up anti-Semitic trolls. Ye placed himself firmly on the latter end of this spectrum by doubling down. After being dropped by his sponsors and merch partners and losing his billionaire status, Kanye appeared on Alex Jones's Infowars, denying the Holocaust, claiming Jews controlled the financial sector, and outright stating that Hitler was, quote, not all bad. To be clear, Kanye didn't invent this line of thinking. He's adopted a long lineage of anti-Semitism that can be traced back through ancient history. But anti-Semitic conspiracy theories such as Pizzagate and QAnon have breathed new life into these tired and dangerous tropes. Ye's statements contribute to the increasingly hostile atmosphere that Jews are facing in the U.S. But this Ye story doesn't exist in a vacuum, and Jared had this really interesting quote that was why we wanted to reach out to him for this episode. Listen to this. Okay, and, and, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing here. It seems like white Jews saved up all their angst and anger towards white anti-Semites and waited for a chance to unleash it at black or brown figures instead of at those white folks who have more power in this system. I see deserved consequences for Kanye, but I also see a Jewish response that uses part of white supremacy uh, or anti-blackness to combat another part of white supremacy, anti-Semitism. White supremacy won't kill itself. Yeah. Yeah. During the production meeting that we have for this episode, we were 
kind of talked about Kanye and Kyrie, and they lost a lot, you know, whatever. But one point I brought up was, well, what about Amazon? Why do they get to continue to have the documentary up and there's not an uproar about that or demanding that they take it down or anything like that? Why is it okay for them to keep it up when they know it's anti-Semitic and it and it has horrendous things about Jews in this documentary? Why do they get off, you know, free? Meanwhile, Ye and Kyrie, which is deserved, sure. But why is there that discrepancy? Because white supremacy and capitalism. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be the, the go-to, right? That's so annoying. I hate why, like, <laughs> it's just like, why can't we, why can't right just be right, you know? And it's like, we know he was suspended from games, you know? He had to contribute to anti-hate groups. Why wouldn't the NBA also make these demands of Amazon? Why aren't the people making these demands of Amazon? That's the annoying part, you know? It's like, oh. Well, if I can just riff off of this for a little bit. Yeah. Our society is very much built off of punishing black and brown people. So in every aspect, whether that is something well-deserved or something not well-deserved, the amount of punishment will be disproportionate when it comes to black and brown figures. Now, there was a list of demands. And just like in security purposes, for security purposes and everything else, um, you know, if you're going to make demands of somebody like that, make sure you make demands of the next person who does it, regardless of what they look like. But that's not how it works because it's so easy to punish a black person for the same thing that, I don't know, the former president of the United States said and most of his, uh, his administration, Steve Bannon, Ugh. all the, all these other anti-Semites, yeah. right? It's so easy, but it's, it's not easy to punish them. Why? Because they have more power in the system because there are more white Christian men in like two, three states combined than there are Jews in the United States, right? It's partly a numbers game. We just don't have the numbers to force society to say, wherever this pops up, it's wrong. But we don't have the racial justice aspect of that to say it needs to be dealt with equally, right? So it's it's almost like the Wild West, the responses. I hope we can all take something from Jared today. It is not right nor effective to condemn only the anti-Semitism that comes from Black people. So what makes Jared hopeful for the future? What's something that makes you hopeful? Something that makes you a little happy? Babies. <laughs> Babies. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's, that's a good one. I mean, considering that I have one in the house. But no, I mean, the invitation to look through the minds or like get a little glimpse into the minds of kids and of people who are new to the space, new to this earth in some cases, reminds me of my own sense of wonder 
And when it comes to Jewish diversity, I, I feel like I can bring that in and just say, what are the possibilities? What are the possible points of celebration? And how can we move towards that? Because fighting all this stuff, that is not my goal, right? My goal isn't to fight it just for the sake of fighting it. My, my goal is to educate while fighting it, connecting with people, hopefully changing minds both inside and outside Jewish space so that we can get to this celebratory point. Like, I want to see, I want to see more dance parties, man. <laughs> I want to see more baby namings and weddings and Shabbat dinners, hangouts, you know, just coffee dates where it's just like, you're here, I'm here, you know, there, I got love for you regardless of anything else. And I want to see you as much of a human as possible and get that in return. That's what, that's where I'm thinking, you know, obviously we have fights on our hands, but we can actually have that at the same time. And I do have that at the same time. You know, there was a point in my life where I did not have that. And how can we make that possible for other people? That, that's what I'm, that, how can I make that possible for the next Jew of color who comes in, who maybe doesn't have all those things? And, and to ask people what they need, right? I, I probably will say this in every single talk, every single everything, regardless of the subject matter, but in founding Jews and all Hughes and being a nonprofit, we are in the nonprofit world and the nonprofit world fails at the very first step because we don't ask people what they need. Mm-hmm. And meeting needs is the need, right? Yeah. Meeting needs leads to less hate. Meeting needs leads to more celebration. Meeting needs leads to the best parts of humanity. And that's part of the reason why we have a small grants program for people to get like co-pays and other things like that. You know, to meet a need, I think is, is, is uh, to, to borrow from our, our Christian neighbors, maybe one of the, the most godliest things that we can do on this planet. You know, I mean, how good is it to see somebody eat a meal and be satisfied? I, I, I love that. I, I feel like your organization, it ties into kind of like what I mentioned earlier. If, if people knew about the, the range of diversity within Judaism, you know, maybe that would have like a really interesting impact on just Jew relations with like the world. But I guess before we even get there, we have to make sure that we're in a safe space where we can explore our spirituality and see what our needs are. And it looks like, um, you know, that's what you're providing. And, and I love that. I think that's terrific. Thank you. Yeah. Jared, thanks so much for coming on to the Delve. Thank you, Taylor. You're All welcome. right. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> Shabbat Shalom. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Chalen, and this is the Delve. I'll see you next Friday. 